life in the Spirit will be a life of obedience and keeping and observing and guarding and even performing, not in the negative sense of performance or acting. And, you know, religionists, they love to perform and act and put on a show for others and uh, obey outward rules and things to kind of score points. But the Christian life sometimes is con- con- uh, confused with that in people's minds because the Christian life, there's going to be obedience, there's going to be observance, there's going to be performance. But it's from the inside out, it's the life of the Spirit, and it's the farthest thing from that dead, dull, lifeless kind of legalism that it's often confused with. If you love me, Jesus said, you'll keep my commandments. It's, uh, it's born out of love. Welcome to Downtown Bible Class with Pastor Scott Gilchrist. Today we continue in our study of the book of Romans. Pastor Scott brings part three of the message titled, Life in the Spirit. We invite you to follow along with us now as we get started. Turn to Romans 8. The Christian life is life in the Spirit. Life in Christ. It's life indeed. I came that they might have life. And have it abundantly. In Him was life. And the life was the light of men. It's a life in love with God. It's a life of obedience, joyous obedience and power. And it's a life that pleases God. Now I want to uh, take a look at this tremendous section, really a second look. And I hate to not, uh, it's hard to, to not, want to read the whole chapter and see the the connection of things in this chapter, but let's just let it it review by uh, reading it once again, even as we've just uh, rejoiced in the blissful thought that our sin, not in part but the whole, was nailed to the cross. There is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus, for the law of the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus has set you free from the law of sin and of death. For what the law could not do, weak as it was through the flesh, God did. Sending His own Son in the likeness of sinful flesh and as an offering for sin, He condemned sin in the flesh in order that the requirement of the law might be fulfilled in us who do not walk according to the flesh but according to the Spirit. The Christian life is a, is a holy life. But it is not uh, sought after or attained by just grinding it out, trying to keep a bunch of rules. No, it is a holy life lived in the power of the Holy Spirit as we walk, as it says, according to the Spirit. God's holiness, the requirement of the law, a holy lifestyle is, in fact, a reality in Christian lives. Christ lived the Christian life, so to speak, and the life of Christ is being lived through Christians today in the power of the Spirit of Christ. Now, in verses 5 through 8, he gives several comparisons and contrasts, and he then says, verse 9, however, He says, you are not in the flesh, but in the Spirit. He says, I'm talking to you. And he compares and contrasts life in the flesh and life in the Spirit. He says, but listen, I'm talking to you who are in the Spirit. I'm talking to Christians. You're in the, you're you're not in the flesh. You're in the Spirit. If indeed the Spirit of God dwells in you, if, if you don't have the Spirit of Christ, obviously you don't belong to Him. Every Christian is indwelt by the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit is the life giving Spirit, verses 10 and 11 say. He's the giver of life, and He's the source of life. Hence, 
We have a new obligation, verse 12. We have a new obligation not to the flesh, to live according to the flesh. For if you're living according to the flesh, you must die. But if by the Spirit you're putting to death the deeds of the body, you will live. Life in Christ is without condemnation. It's without bondage. It is lived in the power of the Holy Spirit. And it is a huge contrast between life in the Spirit and what we used to live, life in the flesh. And I want you to see the connection of this. And we're not, uh, we're going to mull it over and let it sink in because we don't want to rush over this and miss what he has to say. There's so much confusion about even what a Christian is and what the Christian life ought to look like. And so we want to look at life in the Spirit, and we want to take a second look, really, at the comparisons and the contrasts in verses 5 through 8. Now, last time I mentioned there's two categories of people, those who are according to the flesh, verse 5, and those who are according to the Spirit, the lost and the saved, the natural and the spiritual, the regenerate, the unregenerate, the sheep and the goats, the wheat and the tares. You see it all the way through Scripture. Today in this room, you're either in the Spirit or you're in the flesh. The Christian life is life in the Spirit. There's two mindsets, the mindset on the flesh and the mindset on the Spirit. There's two patterns of conduct or lifestyle. There's two walks, in other words. And there's two spiritual states. You can see them there in verse 6. Life and death. He's not talking about the result when he says that. He's talking about the state you live in or exist in, I should say. Because most people exist in a state of death. They are spiritually dead. They're out of touch. They're separated from their Creator. But those who come to Jesus Christ not only have their sins washed away and there's no condemnation, but they have life, connection with God. The life-giving Spirit, the Holy Spirit indwells them. So uh, if you wanted to restate that, if you just look at verses 5 through 8, you can think of it this way. Who we are determines how we think, and how we think determines how we live or act. And so we saw the, the primacy really in those verses of the word mindset. Set your mind, the Scripture says, on things above, not on things that are on earth. And he says there's two mindsets, and we looked at it, uh, the... the uh, Word is translated elsewhere in the Bible, attitude, concern, what concerns you, uh, your views, it's translated in Acts 28. What is your mindset? Do you have a Christian mindset? Because the mind is crucial to the Christian life. A lot of people today, in fact, modern Christianity is almost marked today, evangelicalism, by the erroneous idea that there's some sort of contrast between the mind and the spirit. And to get in the spirit is to kind of check your mind out. And if you're thinking and acting cognitively, why well, you're not allowing the Holy Spirit to lead you somehow. And a lot, of, a lot of Christians labor under the delusion that they need to empty their mind or, and let the Holy Spirit guide them. And... Uh, as I said last time, nothing could be further from what Paul is after here and what the New Testament teaches. The Holy Spirit works indeed through our mind and heart and will. And as we fill our mind with His holy word, He gives us holy guidance and power 
to live lives that please God, amazingly enough. And I know that uh, sometimes that's even talked of as if it's hypothetical and unable to be accomplished, but we're going to see no, no. In fact, the Christian life does please God. It does please Him. Now, so important that we see this that I want to take a second look at these verses and look at them very carefully. Uh, he gives comparisons and contrasts between life in the flesh and life in the Spirit. And in so doing, you learn so much about what the Christian life is. What does it look like? What does a Christian think like? What is life in the Spirit? And as I say, it is not just a mood. Life in the Spirit is not just working up a certain tone of life or mood by, or it's not a style of worship or something that can be induced by... No, the Christian life is so much more than that. And life in the Spirit is so much more than that. So we want to look at it carefully. And I think these comparisons and contrasts are given to us to help us see uh, the dynamic of life in the Spirit. Look at verse 6, the first comparison. The mindset on the flesh is death. Death. But the mindset on the Spirit is life and peace. Life in the Spirit is life, not mere existence. It is life. I came that they might have life. I am the life, Jesus said. I am the resurrection and the life. This is eternal life, He prayed to the Father, that they might know you and Jesus Christ whom you've sent. Life is connection with God through His Son, Jesus Christ. And when you come to Christ, there is life. And notice, He says, life and peace. That's why Paul could say, you know, for to me to live is Christ, and to die is gain. When he was talking about Christ's return, he said, when Christ, who is our life, is revealed, we'll be revealed with Him in glory. It was just second nature for Him to think in terms of life is Christ. Christ is life. And to be vitally related to Christ is to have life and peace. Both positional peace with God and practical peace. Therefore, having been justified by faith, we have peace with God. There's no more enmity between the Christian and God. His sin has been removed. God is for us. Who could be against us, he's going to say later in this chapter. But we also experience peace. My peace, Jesus said, I leave with you. My peace I give to you. Not as the world gives, give I unto you. These things I've spoken to you that in me you might have peace. Uh, let me just say parenthetically, is there lack of peace in your life right now, Christian? Go to God's Word. Spend time in God's Word. Are you in a state of anxiety? Let God's Word these things I have spoken to you, that in me you might have peace. In the world you got tribulation, but take courage. I've overcome the world. And by the way, look at verse 6. Death for the non-Christian. Life and peace for the Christian. Death is the way of the flesh. Life and peace, the way of the Spirit. All three, death, life, and peace, are a true experientially and immediately and ultimately, immediately and ultimately. In other words, the moment Adam sinned, 
death entered the world. And we were all born in a state of death, spiritually dead. Now, people around us, maybe you're here without Christ. You say, I'm very much alive. Yeah, I'll give you that in the sense of physical life. But ultimately, even that comes to an end, huh? And death looms out there, the full and complete expression of death, the second death for those who go on into eternity having spurned God's grace. So it's immediate and it's ultimate death. So is life. The moment you put your faith in Jesus Christ, you have life and peace. And ultimately, this isn't really, the life we're living now isn't life in its completeness because our bodies are wearing out. We're still hassled by them. We're still bothered by so many sorrows and tears. And, you know, Romans 7 is still a reality. There's still that struggle against the, the flesh, against the spirit. And there's still that plaintive cry, oh, who will set me free from this death? You know, but Jesus Christ has delivered us and will yet finish the job. And there is ultimate life waiting for us. When Christ, who is our life, is revealed, Colossians 3, verse 4 says. So uh, think in terms of that. And, you know, same with peace. Uh, the moment you put your faith in Christ, you have peace. And you can grow in peace, just like you can grow in life. But there we're waiting that day, aren't we? You know, even as the song wound up, it pointed us toward that day when he gets back for us. And we will have peace in every facet. Then the second comparison. Those who are in the flesh, verse 7, are hostile toward God. Because the mindset on the flesh is hostile toward God. This is one of the worst things. It's one of the strongest statements in all of Romans. In fact, in all of Scripture. The natural man is in hostility toward God. The mindset on the flesh is is hostile toward God. And we talked a little bit last time about the great contrast. Mindset on the Spirit loves God. Look over at verse 28 again. We know that God causes all things to work together for good to who? Well, to Christians. Who are Christians? To those who love God. When Jesus reinstated Peter to a... To a uh, position of usefulness in front of the other men. Three times he just simply asked him, do you love me? Do you love me? Do you love the Savior? Do you love God? The one in the flesh don't want to be talked to about God, is nervous around God talk, you know, and don't get too close. He's hostile toward God, but the believer loves God. Loves God. Tremendous contrast there and uh, good to remember. But then the third one. Notice the rest of verse 7. The mindset on the flesh does not subject itself to the law of God. I illustrated uh, just briefly by pointing out Pharaoh, and he's such a great illustration because Pharaoh is kind of the epitome of the man who doesn't know God. And so Moses and Aaron came to him and said, Thus says the Lord, let my people Israel go. You've got my people in bondage. Let them go. Thus says the Lord. And you know what Pharaoh said? Who is the Lord? <laughs> Who is the Lord that I should obey him? And then he said the truest words Pharaoh ever spoke. 
I do not know the Lord. That's for sure. He said a lot of other things like, I'll let him go, and then he'd turn back and not. He's a liar. But in this, he got it right. I don't know the Lord. And besides, I will not let the people go. He didn't know the Lord, and there's no way he's going to obey the Lord. He was not subject to the law of God. He's not subject to the word of God. The natural man doesn't want to hear the word of God. He's not subject to God's word. But the Christian, life in the spirit. Now watch this and be thinking, what is life in the spirit? What should it look like? The Christian loves the word of God. Listen, listen to the psalmist and just listen to the regenerate heart. Oh, how I love thy law. It's my meditation all the day. I shall delight in thy commandments, which I love. And I shall lift up my hands to thy commandments, which I love. Do you notice the connection between God and his word? The psalmist says, he puts it in words that often are criticized even, if you put it in contemporary language, because we're talking words of worship, aren't we? And I've been accused of bibliolatry, you know, by saying we should bow in reverence before the Word of God or whatever. And there are those who say, oh, don't get so carried away and act as if somehow... No, God's Word is an expression of His character. And so the psalmist says, I'm going to lift up my hands to thy commandments, which I love. I love thy commandments above gold. Yes, above fine gold. I hate and despise falsehood, but I love thy law. Do you love God's word? Do you love the scripture? Aren't you glad? I mean, you think about it. You maybe just recently came to Christ, or maybe you've been a Christian a while. And I'm not talking about the day in and day out. Now, I'm talking about don't you love the fact that God's Word told you of a Savior and pointed you to His grace, and you love, you love His Word. You love to embrace the truth of His Word. Sanctify them in thy truth. Thy word is truth, Jesus said. And we love to get into his word because it tells us of his character. Those who love thy law have great peace, the psalmist says, and nothing causes them to stumble. Those who are in the spirit, those the life lived in the spirit, loves God's word. It delights in God's word. Thy testimonies are my delight. They are my counselors. Thy law is my delight. Even in times of trouble and real, real trial, real anguish, I've seen Christians time after time delight in God's word, even in the darkest days. And that's what the psalmist said, 119th Psalm, verse 143. By the way, all these are from Psalm 119. Trouble and anguish have come upon me. Have you ever been there? The psalmist was. David knew what it was to be in real trouble and anguish. He said, trouble and anguish have come upon me, yet thy commandments are my delight. Thy commandments are my delight. The one who lives in the Spirit longs for God's Word. Far from being unsubject to and wanting to stay away from, he longs for God's Word. I long for thy precepts. I wait 
for thy ordinances. I rise before dawn and cry for help. I wait for thy words. My eyes anticipate the night watches that I may meditate on thy word. I look forward to those times at night, the night watches, he said, when I have time to just meditate on his word. I rise before dawn and wait. You know, believers love God's word. That's all there is to it. They long for it. They wait for it. What a contrast. What a contrast verse 7 is. But it doesn't even stop there. He says, the mindset on the flesh is not only hostile toward God, it's not only hostile toward God's word, not subject to God's word, but it is not even able to do so. The natural man does not accept the things of the Spirit of God. They're foolishness to him. And he's not able to understand them. He cannot understand them. He's not even able to subject himself to God's Word. On the other hand, the Christian, life in the Spirit, I can do all things through Him who strengthens me, Paul wrote in Philippians. And it's interesting to see that the Scripture calls us and exhorts us and, in fact, Believers, and you can take a look, and I would encourage you sometime to look through that 119th Psalm and watch the verbs. Just look at the verbs. The psalmist keeps, remembers, guards, observes the Word of God. He obeys the Word of God. He performs the Word of God. The 112th verse, I've inclined my heart to perform thy statutes forever, even to the end. Now, none of this is that negative, legal kind of legalism that just simply tries to do God's word in your own strength. Not at all. It is the life of Christ lived through the believer. It is life in the Spirit. And life in the Spirit will be a life of obedience and keeping and observing and guarding and even performing, not in the negative sense of performance or acting. And, you know, religionists, they love to perform and act and put on a show for others and uh, obey outward rules and things to kind of score points. But the Christian life sometimes is uh, confused with that in people's minds because the Christian life... There's going to be obedience. There's going to be observance. There's going to be performance. But it's from the inside out. It's the life of the Spirit. And it's the farthest thing from that dead, dull, lifeless kind of legalism that it's often confused with. If you love me, Jesus said, you'll keep my commandments. It's it's born out of love. You've been listening to Downtown Bible Class with Pastor Scott Gilchrist. Please stay with us. Pastor Scott will return in just a moment with a preview of our next broadcast. Today's program was titled, Life in the Spirit, a message from our series in the Book of Romans. If you missed a portion of the message heard on the program today, or you'd like to share it with a friend, head on over to downtownbible.org. A free copy of today's entire message is available there for you to stream or download at your convenience. We're thrilled to announce the publication of a new book written by Pastor Scott Gilchrist. It's called A Brief Exposition of Romans. It's a 266-page chapter-by-chapter commentary on Romans that we're sure will enhance your understanding of this critical book in the New Testament. 
The book is available online at Amazon, Barnes & Noble, and most other online booksellers. But during our study of Romans, we'd like to send you a copy as a thank you for a gift of any amount to the Ministry of Downtown Bible. You can find us online at downtownbible.org or by mail at P.O. Box 19191, Portland, Oregon, 97280. We'd love to put this valuable resource in your hands. If you don't have a church home in the area, Pastor Scott would love to invite you to join us for our live online Sunday worship service at Southwest Bible Church. That's each Sunday morning at 8.30 and 11 a.m. You can find us live on YouTube by searching for SW Bible Live or go to swbible.org and click on Live Stream. We also broadcast the service live on the radio on True Talk 800 a.m. It's best to check the 800 a.m. program guide for up-to-the-minute schedule adjustments. Now, before we end our time today, let's go to Pastor Scott for a preview of our next broadcast. Life in the Spirit is not to be torn from its biblical moorings. Life in the Spirit is a life renewed in the mind. It is a life of obedience. The Spirit doesn't lead in disobedience. He leads in obedience. He wrote this book. He delights in these words. And so the one who is born of the Spirit loves God's Word, longs for God's Word, obeys God's Word, is actually able to be subject to God's Word. Now, the natural man doesn't understand that, doesn't understand that at all, because he's not able to. He's hostile to God's Word. But the Christian loves and longs for God's Word. To walk in the Spirit is to walk in obedience. Remember that. Join us again next time as we continue our series through the book of Romans. Pastor Scott brings part four of the message titled, Life in the Spirit. Until then, may the grace of the Lord Jesus be with you.